Well, good morning. It is wonderful being with you all again. Been a few years since we saw you. I, I want to commend you for the, uh, the the blankets and coat drive you're doing. I tell you what, this morning we came out of the hotel and I was thinking, it's turning winter. Uh, so thank you so much for, for uh, giving to your community that way. What's well, great being with you all again. Some of you we've not seen for a long time. Some we've, we've uh, never met. John and Kristen, thank you for the honor of being here. Uh, Kim and I have been married over 33 years, been traveling around the world for 31 years now. Um, and amen. And it has taken us to every continent on earth except Antarctica. I was joking with the first service. I'm not sure how many penguins need a prophecy. But uh, besides that, we've had a chance to travel all over the world. Uh, for 17 years, it was just Kim and I. We were not able to have children, but God said otherwise. And so um, Shekinah just turned 16 a few days ago. Been on, let's see, how many airplanes? 398 and still counting. So been with us all across Europe, U.S., Canada, and Australia in ministry. Uh, been prophesying with us since she was seven years old and moving into things of the Spirit. Uh, we have opportunity to minister not only around the world, but here in our own nation. Uh, so every winter, we try to pre, uh, schedule a few meetings in Florida. I mean, you know, I'm, my mama didn't raise a dummy. But uh, we were in Florida a few months ago, and, and she kind of had a unique thing happen. I want her to share about how the Lord used her in a unique way. So, so when we were in Florida, there were so many amazing things that happened. People were getting saved left and right. There was miracles happening. It was honestly incredible. The Spirit of the Lord was everywhere. We were in one service. It was a normal service. It was a good service, but it was just normal. And I felt the Lord tell me that there was someone there who thought their life wasn't worth living, who thought that maybe people would be better off if they weren't in in like in there they thought that maybe things had gotten so tough that maybe it would just be better if they weren't there and I've been prophesying since I was little so I was really used to that I was like you know I really got the hang of that but something like that I didn't know what to do with that like something so big, so powerful, so important. But I didn't want to look like a dork on the stage, but I did decide that I would tell what God told me to tell. And so I got the microphone, and I took a deep breath, and I told the congregation what I just told y'all. And my dad very tactfully asked if there was anyone there who identified with that. And there's two lovely ladies in the back who raised their hands. And so we prayed for them, and but later on, I got to know their story. One girl, she had had suicidal thoughts before, but they had gone away, so she was like, oh cool, they're gone. But then they came back, and she was too ashamed to tell anyone. And the other girl, she said that if she didn't meet with the Lord that night, she was going to go home, and she was going to kill herself. And just think, I really could have just put that in the back of my mind to never ever touch again. I could have said, no, I'll just look too stupid doing that. You know, someone else can handle that. I could have very easily done that. But if I had done that, like those two amazing women of the Lord might not have their lives right now. So what I think is 
If God tells you to do something, whether you think you're going to look incredibly stupid, whether you think you're going to look like a dork, do what he tells you to do because he knows what's going on in their lives and he knows what's going on in your life and he knows what he's telling you to do. You just got to take that leap of faith. So the Lord's moving here in, in our nation, but also around the world. Uh, we try to spend anywhere from two, three, four, five, six months a year international. And many times because of finances and the cost of travel, I've had to go by myself. But about a year and a half ago, I'd been in Europe for about six weeks. And three churches in America raised the support for Kim and Shekinah to come join me for about six weeks of ministry. So they met me in Dublin, Ireland, and we had a phenomenal meeting. We got on a plane, flew to Paris, France, and and this is an aside, but a 19-year-old French guy sat next to my then 14-year-old daughter. And he got very French. <laughs> Anyway, um, I asked her how to date and everything else, but she she took care of it. We're raising her right. Anyway, um, we we had a chance to travel all through Europe and ministry, and we were in Italy at one of our Summers of God churches there, and Kim had a unique thing happen. I I want her to share here real quickly. Oh, it is so good to be with y'all. I tell you what, I didn't get to talk in the first service because Russ didn't let me, so... um. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so good to be here. But um, really, we have seen God do so many amazing things all over the world. And this was a really cool thing. I love it when God does something that even surprises you as the minister. I love it. And so we were ministering in Italy at a very um, vibrant church there in Italy, a larger church. And of course, when you're the guest ministers, you don't know who regularly attends the church and who's the guest. You don't know that unless God tells you that. And so we were worshiping and we were worshiping in Italian. And I look like a total expert on these languages. I've got used to this as traveling. I just read the words up there as best as I can in that language. And they all think that I really speak the language. So I don't know. I've got them all full. But um, it was so cool. We were worshiping. We were worshiping in Italian up there. And then all of a sudden, I heard the Lord say, open up your eyes. And we were in the front. And I opened up my eyes. And there was this Italian lady. It was about five or ten minutes into the service. Italian lady with her daughter that looked about 16 walking in with her. She was very elegantly dressed like you would consider an Italian woman to be. And she walked in with the teenage girl. And the Lord just stopped me as I was staring at her. And he showed me from scene one to the end, the dream, the nightmare that she had just had. I mean, it's one thing when you see good things in the prophetic. It's another thing when you watch somebody else's nightmare. And I watched it, the gruesomeness. I saw the colors in it, all the different things happening from scene one. It just played out like a movie. I was watching it inside while I was looking at her. I'm seeing her dream. I'm thinking, Lord, what on earth do I do with that? And, um, and that's only happened to me probably two or three times in my whole life. And so as that happened, I'm thinking, okay, God, give me wisdom. What do I do? And I went over to Russ and I whispered a little bit of what I had just seen. And he tactfully got that woman up there to the front. I don't even remember how he did it, but he did it very tactfully. And that woman came up to the front. And I remember saying, Lord, give me the words. What do you want me to say to this lady now? And I looked at her, and this is what the Lord said to say. It says, I know the dream you just had, 
which was a nightmare that terrified you. He says, but you woke up before the ending that God had for you. Jesus has a different ending to that dream. That nightmare didn't need to end like that. There's a good ending. And Jesus brought you here today to hear the good ending. And so I started sharing with this Italian lady. Now, she spoke English pretty well, but I did have an interpreter. And I started sharing with her from scene one all the way through the scenes. I told her every scene of the dream until the gruesome end. And I said, now, do you want to hear the ending that God has for this? And I shared with her about Jesus right there in the front. And she started crying. And I got to lead that precious Italian woman to the Lord right there in the front of the building. And my little warrior, my little Shekinah there, she is something else. I mean, without anybody telling her to do this, she knew what God wanted her to do. She slipped out of her seat. She went around the back and she found the 16-year-old daughter that had come in with the Italian woman, put her arm around her and said, let me tell you about Jesus. You're here for a purpose too. And she led the 16-year-old to the Lord. And it was so cool. I love it when God does something like that. It is just something that you can't make up. You can't make up that stuff. It is just God, and God shows up big time. Well, it was even neater when I got to sit across from her. They were having a newcomer's dinner that day. It had been planned for a long time. And so I looked at that woman and her daughter and said, why don't you stay for this? And they said, okay, we will. So they sat down at the table and she asked me if I would sit across from her. And so I'm sitting across from the Italian lady at the table. And she goes, you don't understand what you've just done. And I said, uh, okay, well, why don't you tell me what, what just happened? And she says... There was a woman from this church about six months ago in town. And me and my daughter were out shopping in town. And this woman from this church came up to us and started telling us about Jesus. And she also said, I want to invite you to our church. And she says, we were very, very mean, almost cruel to the woman. We started yelling at her and saying, we don't even believe in God. We don't believe in that fairy tale. Why on earth are you bothering us and taking up our time with this? Get away from us. That was six months ago. And so then what happened? Now fast forward it. A few hours prior to that service, that woman had the nightmare that I just described to her from scene one to the end. She had just had it that morning. And she woke up in bed gasping for air because she was so terrified. Sweat was dripping off of her. And her heart is beating out of her chest. And the only thought that could come to her, this is what she's telling me across the table, is this. I've got to get to a church. I've got to get to a church. She jumped out of bed. She went and woke up her 16-year-old daughter says, Baby, get up, get dressed. We're going to church. She goes, Mom, we don't even believe in God. Why would we go to church? And she says, we've got to go to church. And she goes, Mom, we don't even know where a church is. Where's the church? What church are you talking about? We don't even know any churches. She goes, you remember that crazy lady six months ago that came up to us on the street? She says, for some reason, that address that that lady told us is emblazoned on my brain right now. I just keep seeing the address to that church. She goes, so I'll just tell the bus driver that that, um, address and we will go there. And so they actually got on two city buses that morning 
and told the bus driver where they needed to go. And so they ended up there. Of course, they got there about five or 10 minutes late. And that's when she walked in the back door and the Lord showed me the nightmare that brought her to church that morning. God can only do stuff like that. In fact, they have become backbones in that church. I got so tickled. The 16-year-old daughter, she signed up for the next day. They were doing VBS, and she wanted to be a worker to tell all the kids, the Italian kids, about Jesus. She just asked them in his heart like a few hours before. But uh, she was there. She was going to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning to tell them all about Jesus. And they have been there every day that the, the church doors are open, and God is using them mightily to touch other people. But God can do stuff that'll blow your mind if you let them. See what God can do. Amen. Thanks, Kim. Hallelujah. God is at work all over the earth, in Europe, in Asia, in Africa, in India, and all sorts of places. One final story, and pastor's going to come. 1993, Kim and I were at a church in London, England, 150 people. It was a, a phenomenal uh, meeting, series of meetings. People were being healed, being saved. It was so uh, packed out that literally there was no room for the people of the church. The people of the church had to stand in the foyer to give room for the visitors to sit. And on Sunday morning, a physical wind of God, this only happened two or three times in our meetings, a physical wind of the Spirit that people felt and saw the effects of blew in the back doors of the church, came down the aisle, and row after row of non-believers are falling into the power of the Spirit. It's encountering Christ. A young man was saved that day, Mark, and he is now the missions pastor of this church. Church is 1,500 people now, 78 nations in one church. This has become our home church uh, when, for Europe. So we're there about two months every year, training them in the supernatural and taking them out. Well, Mark has now planted several churches in the Philippines and other parts of the world. I've been with him now twice uh, over the last year. The first trip almost a year ago, I was there, and a man who had gotten saved, he'd been a top drug dealer in an island called Leyte in the Philippines. And the Lord prophetically spoke into his life and said, God's going to give you voice into the authorities in the police department back in Leyte. What I found out a few months ago when I went back is the police uh, captain has asked this man that they used to arrest and throw in jail for being the drug dealer. He's now the chaplain for the police department. Um, and so they've planted a church. So I, they invited me to come and minister at their one-year anniversary. There was a typhoon that kept us from getting there at the scheduled time. But by the time we got there, it was a Tuesday night. We began preaching. An 85-year-old woman was helped in. She was paralyzed on the right side of her body, had been for two years, couldn't walk or stand without help. Uh, when it came time for the altar call, uh, she asked people to help her. She came up to the front, gave her life to Jesus, and we were thrilled. But then Wednesday night, she came back, and she had a bag of, of stuff with her, and we wanted to know what it was. What the pastor told us is this. This woman was the witch doctor of the village. She was known for having killed people using voodoo. And she had all of her occult materials, and she said, will you set a fire? I want to burn these things. So we sat a fire, and one by one, she repudiated her allegiance to Satan, burned those things. Went to bed Wednesday night, Thursday morning. She got up completely healed by the power of Jesus. And now people are coming and sitting with the pastor day after day and saying, tell me about this Jesus who healed the witch doctor. God is at work all over the world. Guys, whether it is 
coats and blankets, whether it's a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, whether it's a prophetic word here, whether it's by your missions giving, you are making a difference for the glory of Jesus in the earth. So thank you so much, Pastor. Man, the Spirit of God is alive. Russ is going to come back in just a moment. We're going to receive a love offering for them and their ministries. Shatter the darkness ministries. Arise, shine, for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. That's the theme verse of their ministry. And so when you are giving, you're sowing into that today. So if you prepare your heart, if you're making a check, you can make it to Abundant Life Church. As we give to them today, we'll make one check over to their ministry. But how many of you want to sow into something that is life-giving? Amen. You want to sow into something where the Spirit of God is alive. Let me tell you something. There's enough deadness out there. We need to sow into something that is alive. Amen. That's what God's called us to do. That's bearing fruit. So let's just, let's just quiet our hearts before the Lord. Father, thank you, Lord, what you have done in the nations of the earth. Thank you, Lord, that your spirit is alive. And that same spirit is here today. Touching us, changing us. Here to redeem us, Lord God. Here to set us free to heal the sick. Lord, we thank you, Lord. I thank you for Russ, Kim, and Shekinah, and I thank you for their lives that are dedicated to you. Father, we right now want to sow into this ministry, God, your ministry that you have given to them. Father, we pray that you would continue to give them increase in every possible way today. We pray your blessing upon them as this church, God, as they have gone forth and done your will. Father, we thank you for the light that shines through them and that we get to sow in and through this type of ministry today to shatter the darkness in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Um, Proverbs chapter 29. It's a familiar scripture to many of us. It says this, um, where there is no vision, the people perish. I want to take a few moments and, and take that verse apart a little bit. The word here where there is no vision, the word in Hebrew can be, uh, can be uh, uh, translated as where there is no revelational understanding, where there is no a glimpse beyond just the, if you will, the religious uh, presentation of Jesus. You know, I love church. I love the move of God. I love the different expressions of Jesus in the earth today. But we've got to understand something. It's not the uh, the presentation of our religion. It's not the presentation of our gifts that the world needs. It's not, you know, our, our musical talent, the light show that comes with it. All those things are fine, but that's not what's going to ultimately make a difference in somebody's life. It's going to take the revelation of Jesus. And that means that you and I, as the people of God, and we need to know who Jesus is beyond just a, uh, a doctrinal statement, beyond just a religious exercise that we endure. And our culture today is a culture that really doesn't know who Jesus is. Uh, they don't honor the Word of God. They don't know the Word of God. We live in a post-biblical culture, do we not? And so there's very little understanding of who Jesus is. And unfortunately, and please understand, I have my own political persuasions. I'm strong in those. But some of my concern is so much of the gospel has gotten intermixed with political viewpoints and cultural and social viewpoints. And again, I'm very strong in my opinions on those things, but we have got to learn that Jesus is beyond and above our politics and our social stands. And the revelation that we must bring and have goes much deeper than that. 
So there's got to be a revelational understanding because without an understanding of who Jesus is and what he's doing in your life, who he's purposed you to be, you will easily, we will easily sell out for, uh, if you will, the mess of pottage today instead of the birthright of tomorrow. We will end up selling out for the, the immediacy of what we want and need right now rather than understanding we've got to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Those of you that are in the military know that very few enter the military already hard, already a sniper, already uh, skilled on all these things. You enter in and you have to endure boot camp. A friend of mine went into the, boot, went into, uh, the Army National Guard, went to boot camp at 52 years old. <laughs> and he beat all the 18 to 20-year-olds. Uh, but... but um, you know, you have to endure hardness looking for the vision of where you're going. But we have a culture today that will sell out. They will sell out uh, of the life of a baby for the convenience of now and call it uh, a woman's rights. Uh, they, we have snowflakes today. <laughs> People that don't want to be challenged, they don't want to be challenged to grow up and to have to think because it might offend them today. And so we have a culture that has sold out the future because they lost a vision of where we are headed. And I believe much of that has infiltrated the church. We want to know what's going to fill the chairs today. We want to know what's going to give us a good service today where God is going to give us a revelation that goes beyond where we've been. And that is to see Jesus as he is. Not just the Santa Claus in the sky that if we say the right words and throw enough money in the offering plate, we get what we want. We've got to see him in the fullness of who he is and in who he's called you to be and making you to be. You know, the psalmist says in Psalm 139, before even one of my days came to be, God knew and wrote in the books of heaven every day of my life. Do you understand that God has written every single day of your life in the books of heaven? How many think God's purpose is even greater than anything you can come up with? So we've got to have a revelation, a vision, an understanding of what that looks like because otherwise it says the people perish. The word perish there in Hebrew is the word para. It doesn't mean just to physically die. It means to become unprotected and unproductive. So here's what I believe. When we have lost the vision of the power of who Jesus is, the holiness of who he is, character is, and who he's called you to be, we become unprotected punching bags for the mentality of the enemy, the worldview of the world around us and the culture around us, and we find our health, we find our finances, we find our families, we find everything under attack, and we're beaten around, and instead of being a people that are living as more than conquerors through Christ, we're constantly living beaten down. Now, please understand, we all go through battle. We all are going to experience trials and tribulations. Scripture promises that. But it says that we will overcome the world. I don't remember if he read it today, but when our brother was reading from Psalm, was it 34? Uh, he was reading from, at least in the first service, part of it said this, that the righteous man will go through many trials, but God will deliver him out of them all. Understand, you will have the troubles and tribulations, but we are not called to live under that continually. God has not called you to have an identity built in your problems. Have you ever met anybody that their whole identity is based on what happened to them 20 years ago? Let me ask, how many of you have ever been hurt by somebody? Welcome to the human race. Here's my, here's my advice. Get healed and get a life. 
It's probably why I don't pastor. (laughs) We've all been hurt. We've all been done wrong. But the thing is, God has not caused you or called you to have an identity based in your pain and your problems and what's been done to you. It's time we get healed, get delivered, and move on to the purposes of God. But also, not only are we unprotected if we don't have vision, we're unproductive. That means that we can have activity after program, after service, and yet it's not producing lasting fruit without a vision of who God really is. A friend of mine had a guy in his church who had created a machine and had a lot of bells, whistles, and moving parts. My, my pastor friend asked the inventor, said, uh, uh, what does it produce? What does it do? And the inventor said, well, it doesn't do anything, but it sure looks pretty, doesn't it? <laughs> Makes a lot of noise. Can I tell you, you can look pretty. You can look modern. You can look amazing. And I'm not coming against that at all. But I'm saying that in itself is not what's going to make this church successful. It's going to be the revelation of Jesus Christ in you and through you. And I believe part of prophetic ministry, you know, especially with the Internet today, most of us have had some kind of exposure to what's called prophetic ministry. And I love the things that are out there. But sometimes we have devalued prophetic ministry to what I call the prophetic pick-me club. You know, we hope the preacher gets done preaching real quick so that they will start prophesying, and then we try to look real spiritual so we get called out, right? And we want a word. You know, there's part of prophetic ministry that is prophesying the word of the Lord into people's lives. Some of you came up to us between services and talked about things that we prophesied to you in the past. One lady was telling me about uh, something she kind of prophesied to her daughter who's about her age. Uh, another lady came up and told Kim that last time we were with you, uh, God, uh, Kim called her out by name. God showed her her name and, 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 and all that's wonderful. But part of prophetic ministry is also to challenge the body of Christ to rise higher in your own revelational anointing. And so that's what we want to do, not only this morning, but tonight. And why Pastor and I have talked about doing something special tonight about that. So it's not just waiting on us to pray for you and prophesy to you, but cause you to arise and go further and higher. There are dimensions of revelation that go beyond what we've experienced. You know, there are times, we've had a few times where God's given us somebody's name or address. There's a guy out there that God does that with him uh, quite often, gives him details of people's lives. That's awesome. But there's a dimension of revelation that goes beyond that. There's a dimension of revelation that goes beyond being able to tell you your, your future. And that is the revelation of Jesus Christ in and through your life so that you will make a difference. Because can I tell you, Stephen City is never going to line up to hear me preach. But you are in their life on a regular basis. And if they're going to have a revelation of Jesus that hits them where they live, it probably is not going to be off the Internet. It's going to be through the Spirit of God revealing Jesus in and through your life. And so God is wanting us to speak life. You remember in Ezekiel chapter 37, the prophet is taken to a valley of dry bones. And, and let me tell you this. I believe true prophetic ministry is not sent to where the party is already happening. He's sent to the graveyards. True prophetic ministry is not just where people applaud every time you give a good word. It is sent out to the places where there's death and impossibility. And when the prophet is standing before the impossible situation, God said, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, God, I don't know, only you know. How many of you face circumstances that only God knows if anything can change? You know what God said to Ezekiel? He said, prophesy. 
You know what the Lord's saying to you? Whether it's your own circumstance or a situation he's called you to make a difference in, he wants you to prophesy into that situation. Not to speak the doubt and discouragement of what is there evident with your eyes, but to speak the word of the Lord. That is life. Ezekiel began to prophesy. There was noise. There was rattling. Bones came together bone to bone. Flesh and muscle came on the bone. How many of you would be pretty excited if we went to a graveyard and prophesied and the bones started flying around? We'd be pretty impressed. But you know what? Even after all of that, it was still a valley full of corpses. We cannot stop short just because we get a nice word or we have an exciting service. We must press on until we see the life of the Spirit cause the body of Christ to arise like the valley of dry bones. And when they came to life, they came to life as an exceeding great army to go forward and bring the the kingdom of God and, and to bear around them. And so if we want to see the kingdom of God on earth, have you ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come. Your rule, your authority come. What is the kingdom of God defined as in Scripture? It's righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of God is not perfection on this side of eternity. It is that no matter what is going on in society, the righteousness of Jesus will prevail. The peace and the joy of the Lord. You know what? Even what's happening in culture right now, the exposure of sin in so many places, in Hollywood, and politics, and a lot of this other stuff, I believe some of it is direct result to prayers. A few weeks ago, I got to be part of a meeting in Washington, D.C. called Awaken the Dawn. Anybody familiar with what was going on? We had thousands of people together, 50 tents representing every state, and for a weekend, we were praying for this nation. I believe there's a prophetic spirit, a revelation, revealing what is hidden, and it's not going to stop in Hollywood, and it's not going to stop in D.C. It's going to come to the church. And so we must understand that when we put our sins under the blood of Jesus, they're forgiven and washed away. But I believe there's coming revelation of things that have not been repented of. Let's not kid ourselves. The same stuff that's happening out there has happened in the church. But God is going to have a body, a bride that's pure. And so God is releasing a prophetic anointing to bring us to a higher dimension of revelation so that the kingdom of heaven uh, that we see in heaven is released on earth. And that's what I want to focus on just for a few moments. Revelation chapter 4. Now, uh, typically, when you talk about the book of Revelation, what do you think of? You think of 666, right? The Antichrist. When I was nine years old, we'd first moved to Newport News, and I uh, went to a Baptist kids' camp. And whoever set this campground up, they just weren't right. Uh, They set it up where the boys' dorms were over here, the bathrooms and showers were over here, and there was a graveyard right in between. So in the middle of the night, if we had to go to the bathroom, we had to walk to a cemetery. That ain't right. Well, our counselor was even worse. His devotions to us, a 19-year-old boys, every night he would do a devotion, and he read to us out of the book of Revelation. Yeah. And so one night he read out of Revelation about the Antichrist and 666, all this stuff. And he, he turned out the light. He walked out the door. And as he shut the door, he said, good night. Joker waited about 10 minutes. He snuck around to the window right behind our bunk beds. He started banging on the window and yelling, screaming bloody murder. We thought the Antichrist had come to get us. Let's just say it this way. We didn't need the bathrooms that night. (laughs) Unfortunately, it was taken care of. Um, Look, the book of Revelation is not about the Antichrist. That book is called the Revelation of Jesus Christ. 
And God's what God wants to do is bring a revelation of Jesus beyond our, our, uh, our religion and our, our um, just doctrinal statements. I'm not against doctrine, but it's got to go beyond just statements we make to a living, loving relationship that we have with Jesus. And Revelation, John, um, on the Isle of Patmos, he says this, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. I want to declare that there is a door of revelation open to the church. But God's not going to force you into the door. He's going to invite you in. Jesus himself is the door, isn't he? Can I tell you the secret to revelation, the secret to moving in the supernatural is not by how much you pray. It's not about how holy you are, how much you fast. All those things are good and we need them, but they will not earn you more anointing. They will not earn you a place in the heavenly realm. We come through Jesus. And there's an open door. There's an invitation. You don't have to be a, a college educated. You don't have to have a Bible college degree. You don't have to have a reverend before your name. You don't have to have all the, the latest, greatest preachers pray for you and prophesy to you and lay hands on you. There is a door of invitation open to every one of us. And this is what the voice said with the door that was open. And the voice I heard speaking to me earlier said like a trumpet, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. So John was caught up into the revelational realm. I don't know that we'll share it tonight. Uh, Kim had an experience in communist Poland in the 80s when it's only happened one time, but she was caught up to heaven. She was caught up before the Lord. And it's an experience she shares in a lot of women's conferences, other things. But um, a, a phenomenal thing. But can I tell you, most of us don't have that kind of experience. But we can have the revelation of heaven through the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And so when John beholds heaven, he describes the activity of heaven and the atmosphere of heaven. That's what I want to look at for a moment. Starting verse 4 of Revelation 4. John says this, surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. Seated on them were 24 elders, dressed in white, had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Can I tell you, heaven is not going to be floating around on some wimpy cloud holding a harp for eternity. There's lightning, there's thunder, there's a blazing fire. I don't know what all heaven's going to look like. I don't know all the activities we're going to have. But I believe that we're going to rule and reign with the angels. I don't know all that that means. I know that they're going to be worshiped before the Lord. Guys, the activity of heaven is full of power. It's full of worship. You go on in there, it says that there are creatures that they have eyes all over their bodies, including under their wings. Eyes symbolize revelation. Could it be that these creatures, these living creatures full of eyes, open one eye and they see God, and they're so overwhelmed with his awesomeness, they cry out, holy, holy, holy. And then they close that eye and they open another one of their 10,000 eyes and to see another different dimension of God, just a little bit different. And they're so overwhelmed with his glory, they cry, holy, holy, holy. And they spend eternity. They open one eye, then two eyes together, then five eyes together, then 10 eyes, and they close them, open another. Guys, I don't know what all that means, but there is a revelation of fullness of God. And I believe we can have that here in this life by the Spirit of the Lord. And so if we're going to bring the activity of heaven, that means that you that believe are going to cast out devils. You're going to speak in new tongues. You're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to get healed. How many of you want to live that kind of life? 
And that is ultimately, I believe, not for Sunday morning church. I believe God will do that on Sunday mornings. But guys, God wants you to take that out there, to demonstrate his kingdom out there. But that power must come out of his presence. The activity of heaven has got to come out of the atmosphere of heaven. In verses 2 and 3 of Revelation 4, John says that once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. Who is it that sits on the throne? We know God, the Father, but Jesus is on the throne sitting his right hand. I believe that when we see heaven, it is Jesus that's going to make the difference. Let me ask you, when, you, when somebody says, um, you know, these books of people say, I went to heaven or I died and had a near-death experience. And I, I personally don't believe a lot of them, uh, but <laughs> I, I don't see them, a whole lot of them as, as biblical and, and they seem to contradict one another, but that's my own opinion. Um, but, but can I tell you, when you think of heaven, what do you think of? Do you think of streets of gold or, you know, mansions, no tears, no sickness? All that's wonderful. But can I tell you this? You could be in a place with no tears, no sickness, streets of gold. If Jesus weren't there, you'd be in hell. What's going to make heaven heaven is not going to be the, uh, the, the surroundings. It's going to be the atmosphere. It's going to be the presence of Jesus. Psalm 139, the psalmist says this, If I make my bed in the depths of hell, there you are with me. Let me tell you how I apply that. You may be living in hell on earth. You may be living in a circumstance where it feels like you're barely holding on and you're living in what feels like hell on earth. I want to tell you something. In the midst of your hell on earth, you can have the presence of Jesus. And you know what that will do? It will make it heaven. You can bring heaven on earth by walking in the presence of the Lord. That means when you go into the hardest place of, of sin, to bring a, a witness of Jesus Christ. It ultimately is not going to be just the word you say and the power you move in. It's going to be the fragrance of the Lord. Scripture says that we are an aroma of life to those who are dying. Was it next week? A week and a half or so. Thanksgiving. Can anybody, can anybody um, identify with this? You have sat down to a Thanksgiving feast, and you have stuffed yourself with turkey, green bean casserole, homemade mashed potatoes, crescent rolls, I, whatever it is. You have stuffed yourself, and you say, I I, I'm not going to eat for a week. Okay? But as you're sitting there, an aroma begins to come out of the kitchen. And it's your favorite pie. All of a sudden, you feel hungry again. <laughs> you know what? People in the world have satiated themselves with the junk, the sin, the debauchery, the death the world has to offer. And they may say, I don't want your God. I don't need your God. But when we carry the fragrance and aroma of Jesus, it's going to cause them to hunger and thirst for our God. But that means that you and I have got to live in that kind of atmosphere. We've got to be soaked in his presence. Do you remember when Peter uh, passed by and his shadow fell on somebody who was sick and they were healed? 
I don't believe that was the anointing. I believe that was the presence. I'm not making a doctrine here. But I don't believe that was a gift in Peter's life. I believe it was the presence of Jesus that Peter walked in. And his presence fell on that sick person. Here's the way the Lord put it to me. I'm going to close with a few thoughts here. I was a street preacher at the time. I was 15 years old. And, and I believe in programs of evangelism. But beyond programs of evangelism, I believe God wants to bring power evangelism. Whereby signs and wonders and miracles. We see it in Africa. We see it in India. We see it in Europe. A little bit in America. But guys, God wants to release through his body the, the demonstration of his kingdom and power. And that's going to show people that Jesus is real. There's prophetic evangel power evangelism. There's prophetic evangelism. What about Revelation? Jesus with the woman at the well, remember this? Where he's just having a conversation and he begins to reveal things about our life. Uh, the, the experience that Kim told you, having a, a vision, a revelation of this lady's dream in Italy. God, through prophetic revelation, wants to open up the reality of Jesus Christ to those that are lost. So there's program evangelism, there's power evangelism, there's prophetic evangelism, but I believe there's also coming presence evangelism. Where the church is so inundated and baptized in the very atmosphere of his presence. That we become an aroma of life. And people are drawn to our Jesus. And so I want to challenge us today to be an aroma of heaven. To ascend higher in the revelational realm. To thank God for every revelation we get, but to say, God, I'm not satisfied. I want to go higher, further, deeper, however you want to phrase it. And so part of what we ask God to do this day, that we're with you, not because we're anything special, but there's part of the prophetic anointing to cause the body of Christ to come up higher, to see an open door. And Today, I ask that God would show you and I an open door, that you would see it in your spirit. And you'd understand all you have to do is say, yes. And God's going to take you into higher realms. It doesn't mean you're going to fly around the heavens. It doesn't mean you're going to see angels. It doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect tomorrow. But what it means is you're going to know Jesus more intimately tomorrow than you do today. You're going to express him more powerfully tomorrow than you do today. It's step by step going further and higher into who he is and making him known.